The theme that we've been following, I guess fairly loosely, has been teamwork this year um, this, uh, in the shoot. And one of the key things that uh, is involved in teamwork is intergenerational ministry. And so I've been asked to speak about intergenerational ministry. A lot of it is pretty straightforward, so I'll be hitting the fast forward button and I've, I haven't been given a lot of time. Uh, all the notes will be on the net and I'll show you the texts and so on. So let's go. There's only one, I think there's one key thing that I've learned and I'll, I'll major on that. The rest will go fast forward. Okay. Cat um, Stevens. Uh, here's a picture. Cat uh, Stevens was a singer in the, uh, in the 70s. Anyone recognise the guy on the right? Yeah, he's Cat uh, Stevens. Yeah, that's Yusuf Islam. Um, he wrote a song called Father and Son, which picks up the whole kind of intergenerational thing. It was big in the 1970s, and I can remember it, but okay. It's not time to... So the father sings, it's not time to make a change, just relax and take it easy. You're still young, that's your fault. There's a, so much you have to go through. Um, I was once like you are now, and I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot, etc. There, that sounds familiar. That could almost be kind of from the older generation in ministry. And then the son sings, how can I try to explain what I do? He turns away. It's always been the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. And there, um, now there's a way I know that I have to go away. And it's, I've actually heard that story in ministry. Uh, a church's great strength is being intergenerational. It really is. You know, we, we run, we stream our ages in terms of trying to evangelise and reach people. There's a cost to that, and that's the intergenerational thing. Not only in terms of wisdom and so on, but just encouragement. So, so the, um, the young people who meet the 70 or 80-year-old who's been Christian for 60 or 70 years, it's a great encouragement. And then the oldies who, who know the teenagers who are keen about following the Lord, that's a great encouragement. So it's a, it's a great strength. And when you get leadership working properly intergenerationally, it's also a great mixture of experience and enthusiasm and so on. Unfortunately, it's not always easy. And it doesn't always work easily. Um, I mean, you talk to lots of young ministers and find out how hard it is for the young minister to lead the older people who have been there uh, in the church forever and have the handbrake on firmly. If you're under 30 or under 35, you have grown up in a very different world to someone who's 65 or older. I don't mean just in terms of technology. Like, how good was that with Steve Cryer walking us through the technology? I had one out of ten of the, of the useful tools. I thought, yes, uh, pull out my iPhone and check. Yep, that's the one I've got. All right. Anyway, I was happy just to get on the board. Uh, it's not just technology. It's a whole difference in terms of um, the church and the role of ministry and what, we use, you know, what used to be done and, and so on. Now, I'm in the middle. You might think, oh, he's an old guy. No, I'm in the middle uh, between 30 and 70. I'm in the middle. Um, and so I'm able to sympathise with the 30-year-olds and empathise with the 70-year-olds. And on bad days, both groups drive me mad. So just, you know, you're kind of, I'm in the middle. Uh, now, generational change is also a problem. Uh, so, you know, Christian groups, denominations move slowly. And the balance so often goes to the much older. Like, I've sat in denominational meetings as a 50-year-old and still been the boy, which I have mixed feelings about. You know, okay. Um, all right. And not only that, different cultures have different expectations about age and generations. So Australian Anglo culture 
our great sin and our great stupidity is that we discount the wisdom of the old and we're all youth-focused and we disregard and disrespect age. That's partly the fact that you can see that um, Mr and Mrs has disappeared as a title. So I now meet a five-year-old, six-year-old, ten-year-old and I'm expected to say, oh, just call me Al. Um, I can live with that, but there used to be it would be Mr Sewer. Okay. Now, why has that all happened? I think partly it's the fact that when you end up being a hedonist, what do you live for? Will you live for materialism, body image, lifestyle, which is another name for hedonism and selfishness? And what's the great enemy? The great enemy is, of course, old age and death. So I think there's something in that. Okay, so Australian culture, we've got all sorts of problems with, with not respecting age and so on. Now, the flip side of that is Asian culture. And I have more Asian relatives than Anglo relatives, right? so I, can, I think I can speak about this. Uh, and we just spent, I've got, to, I've got to fit it in somewhere, we just had a month in Vietnam and it was fantastic. Right? But what is Asian Asian culture is all about the older must be honoured. Uh, so we had a 24-year-old guide, same age as my son, that took a cycling through Vietnam. And I tried for a couple of weeks to get him to call me Alan or Al. He couldn't do it. When he spoke to me personally, he had to call me Sir. And when he spoke about me, he called me Mr. Handsome. And so, <laughs> it's not that funny. Uh, yes, it is, because I worked out he was young and he was smart and he was taking the you-know-what out of me by calling me that, but he still couldn't bring himself to call me out. Uh, what's, what you'll see is that I think with Asian culture, um, and like I say, Kathy's Chinese, I love it, and I think she'd say, Asian culture is all about honour, and the older is always right, basically, and the young need to just suck it up, shut up, and do as they're told. And particularly honour of the whole family, but the older is always right. Younger, suck it up, shut up, do as you're told. All right. Now, the Bible has a critique of every culture, and we'll talk just soon about a Bible's critique of those two mistakes, in a way. Okay? Who's got it right? Who hasn't? Let's see what the Scriptures say. Now, Scott Sanders, when he gave me this topic, asked me, what do I read about intergenerational ministry? And I said... The pastorals. Read the Bible. I, I'm not sure who's written on this, no doubt, be, but no one's written better than Paul. Uh, why? The pastorals, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, are actually about, not only about ministry and how to be a pastor, but the, the agenda that's happening in the back, well, it's not in the, it's not in the background, it's in the foreground. The agenda is generational change. It's Paul's got to the end of his life, and particularly to Timothy and Titus, he's saying the handing over of the baton and how do you... Uh, raise up the next generation of ministry is Paul's handing to Timothy. So that's really, like, that's right in the, f the forefront of why he's writing the letter. Um, and then 1 Timothy, the agenda is about how you actually manage the church, the household of God. So let's, um, let's have a look. I thought what we might do, the, the way we might look at this is, um, oh, sorry, I should say, the scriptures address this wider than just the pastorals, of course, but the pastorals is really where, it, where it's focused. Uh, let's have a look at when older and younger can't get on, in, especially in um, Christian leadership. So where are we going? We've got... Okay, that's it. Uh, getting it wrong and getting it right. So we'll, what I'll look at is the sins of the younger and the sins of the older, and you can plug yourself in depending on where you think you fit, although I think in the Scriptures it's all relative to the context, and then getting it right, the role of the younger and the role of the older. Here we go. Uh, I'll probably manage to offend everybody in the room this way. Um, I'll tell you what else you see. Our sins and our faults are very often the flip side 
of our strengths. Okay? So um, I have a real sense of urgency. I am Mr. Get Things Done. Let's go. Let's push. Let's make the Geneva push. Let's do it. Now, that, that's a strength, yes. But the flip side is a very obvious weakness. It makes me a pain in the butt for everybody I work with, and that is that I'm impatient and, and, and uh, annoy people about things. Um, uh, you may have the great strength of patience, fruit of the spirit. The flip side of that very easily is a refusal to change and make things work. Courage is a positive. The flip side of it can very often be foolhardiness. So you've kind of, the, the sins of the older and the younger, you can see they're often the flip side of one another. Okay, here we go. Let's have a look at what the scriptures talk about, the sins of the younger. Um, it's very easy for young men and women but to, to not show proper pride and have a lack of humility. 1 Peter 5, 5, they'll be on the screen, I'll just read them quickly. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, it is often the sin of the younger to not be teachable. I don't know if you've seen the bumper sticker that says employ a teenager while they still know everything. Okay, That's only funny as you get older, uh, but it's funny. And it's easy to think you know everything. It's also easy to think you've done it all when you've been in ministry for five minutes. Okay, I've been doing it for nearly 30 years now, and you, you kind of meet guys and they've been doing it for just a little while, but it's very easy to think you kind of, you've done it all and you know it all. Um, I like the Bible verse, one of my favourite Bible verses is 1 Kings 20.11. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, of course. One, now, what's it about? The king of Syria and the king of Israel, Ahab, are having kind of um, uh, problems and there's a war about to start. And the king of Syria sends a message to Ahab and says, I'm going to come down and kick your butt. And Ahab sends a message back that says this. The king of Israel answered, tell him, one who puts, his, uh, sorry, one who puts on his armour should not boast like one who takes it off. Basically what he's saying, yeah, big hat, no cattle. Let's see it. Yeah, okay. So be teachable. Second one is a second sin of the younger is impulsiveness and lack of self-control. Titus 2.6, likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Um, I'll keep going. That one's fairly obvious. It's learning to self-control. Um, why? It's all fitted in with passion and uh, hormones and testosterone and all those things that are good, but learning to control them. 2 Timothy 2.22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who are called, uh, call on the Lord from a pure heart. Um, so young men can be like that. But interestingly, 1 Timothy 5.11 says younger women can be overcome by passions as well. Um, uh, once again, all, all the notes are on the website. Number three, I've noticed... I think young men are more, uh, the young ones are more inclined to this than the oldies, and that is hero worship or the tall poppy syndrome. And so as God raises up great ones, we're inclined to either, um, well, it's a little bit like 1 Corinthians 1.12. What I mean is this, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Christ, uh, or sorry, Kephas, or I follow Christ. We're a little bit inclined to either hero worship the great ones, or the tall poppy syndrome is, I'll show that I can chop down the great ones and that lifts me up as well. And uh, it's not the guru's fault, it's our reaction to them. And when you learn to realise that God raises up the great ones, uh, always remember the job of Jesus is already taken. Um, Romans 12, think with sober judgement about yourself. And 1 Corinthians 4, 7, anything that we can do or the great ones can do is because Jesus has gifted them.
So it's not the great one's fault, it's reaction to them. Fourth sin, uh, oh no, so the fourth thing to say is, it's interesting, the scriptures say that refusal to honour the older or being led by youth, by the young, is actually a sign of the judgment of God. So Isaiah 3 verse 4, the judgment that will come on Judah, um, have a think about this, Isaiah 3 verse 4, God says on Judah, I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. All the people will oppress one another, everyone his fellow and everyone his neighbour and youth and the insolent, sorry, youth will be insolent to the elder. It's a sign of the judgment of God. You've got to think about Australia in terms of that, the way we treat our older people and so on. Okay. There's some things particularly about the younger. What about the sins of the older? I got one, first one I'd go to is being controlling in the wrong way. 1 Peter 5, 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as partner in the, um, partner in the glory that is going to be revealed. 5, 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not... The ESV translates it as domineering those um, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, that word domineering, um, katakurio, katakurio, um, to lord it over, it's mentioned three times in the scriptures, always, sorry, three other times, always negative. It's when the Lord Jesus says in Mark 10 and Matthew 20, the leaders of the Gentiles lord it over their people, so don't do it. Um, that's what he's talking about. And the other one that comes up is in Acts 19, when the seven sons of Sceva uh, use the name of Jesus to try and um, exercise the, the demon-possessed man, and he beats them up and they all run out naked. The beating them up and domineering or dominating them is that same word. So what's Paul saying? If you're an elder and you're in charge, sure, you've got to lead, but it's not to actually rule over people or dominate them as the leaders of the Gentiles do. Um, uh, so that's uh, and why do why do older older men do that um, in church life in ministry? It may be power, but often I think it's with a goodwill and a sense of thinking. I'm the only one that actually knows how this has to be done, and I, it's no, it's not right. Not a right way to use power and authority. Second sin: refusal to change when what we're doing is not working. Paul says in 1 Corinthians we need to become all things to all people so that we might reach some by all possible ways and yet often the old will not, the older will, will refuse to change things. Why? Because, hey, we built the system and it's kind of built around us and why should we change and um, either it's a blind spot or they just don't want to change. And it's comfortable. Here's the thing about death in church life is always comfortable. You got that? It's worth thinking about this. Death in church or denominational life is comfortable and slow. And you just slowly eat the farm and there's never the crisis point. Um, and it's a little bit like Hezekiah in, the, um, in, uh, where is it? in 2 Kings 20. These nice guys turn up from a place called Babylon that he's never really heard of. So what does he say? Hey, let me show you the house. So he shows them right through the palace and right through the temple and all of the gold and all of that. And Isaiah comes to him at the end and says, what did you do with those guys from Babylon? So he showed them everything. And Isaiah says, they're going to come one day and they'll take it all. And your sons will end up eunuchs stuck in Babylon or whatever. And you know what Hezekiah says at the end? Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah... The word, of the, Lord, the word the Lord has spoken is good. For he thought, why not, if there will be peace and security in my day? 
And it's easy for the older to say, look, we're okay. It's still all right. We're just, no, there's no crisis. We'll, and it's sin. Third sin of the older, empire building. And that is concern for reputation. Uh, it can happen to the young as well, but particularly the older are susceptible to it. Jesus says about the religious leaders of his day, yet at the same time, many, um, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Why? John tells us, for they loved the praise from men more than the praise from God. As you get older, your reputation becomes more and more important to you. Fourth one, um, hitting the fast forward button, nostalgia. I do not indulge in nostalgia. The best piece of graffiti I've ever seen was on a toilet wall in Byron Bay. It said, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Got it? How good's that? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10 says, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Okay, there's a, there's a list of just some thoughts about the susceptibilities of older and younger. How are we to minister in the church uh, and how are we to minister across generations? I think 1 Timothy has the answer. Have a look, I'll show you. 1 Timothy 3.15 Paul is actually writing, giving Timothy a paradigm for how the church should be run. Very important to understand what he says to him, 3.15, on the screen. If I delay, so I'm writing to you, right, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household, the oikos of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The NIV translates um, uh, household there, but back in 3 verse 5, it says an elder needs to be able to, or an episcopos needs to be able to manage his own, um, NIV translates it family, it's oikos, it's the same word. Um, there's no Greek word for family, it's oikos, household. So what he's saying is um, uh, the church is the household of God, if you like, capital H household, and the family or so on is, is actually the small h household of God. And the way that relationships within that work, they should reflect and reinforce one another rather than weaken one another. What do I mean? Have a look at uh, 1 Timothy 5.1. How does that work out in practice? He says to Timothy, who's become, he's kind of, I guess, in the middle, middle-aged kind of man, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. All right. Now, let me talk to you about, let me just run you quickly through the role of the younger and then the role of the older. And I, th I think I've got something to say to you as we get to the role of the older. Here we go. What's Timothy to do? He's to treat older men like fathers, namely what? With honour and respect. And he doesn't tell, he doesn't say to Timothy, oh, make the older men earn the respect you're going to give them. No, he's saying just treat older men like fathers. Uh, now, what does he say particularly? He says be very careful about rebuking uphill in terms of age. Uh, the word there for rebukes a strong work, a strong word, uh, epiplerso, which actually means to strike someone. Uh, so don't, don't, um, don't give an older man a punch in the head. Treat him like a dad. Encourage him and so on. Be very careful in how you do that. If you're younger, you need to learn from older... I'll talk to the men. If you're older, you need to learn from older men in ministry. There's different ways you can learn, positive and negative, but you can learn as you watch. Now, I... Um, 28 years ago, I think I started ministry. I've had the great privilege of, of learning from Philip Jensen, uh, from um, Cole Marshall, from Jim Ramsey. Both Cole and Jim are here. 
And, and some of that's formal, as they've taught me, but others have just, it's just osmosis as you watch what they're on about. You know? The Bible and people and hard work and, uh, and, and so on. Um, now, there's also different, there's also negative learning, and that is you can watch and you can actually see the mistakes that older men make. Now, maybe in humility you can't comment on them, but you can learn positively and negatively. If I could just say, in terms of platform costs, Younger guys have got to understand um, platform cost. And that is, if you're going to work on someone else's platform, there's, there's advantages that come with it. So you go to a denominational platform, what do you get? Well, you get you know, infrastructure, resources, reputation, money, all that kind of thing. But you're working on someone else's platform, the cost is you've got to live by their rules. Yeah, does that make sense? Okay. And so you work out, there's the advantages, that, and, and can I live by the rules? That's, that's fine. If you want to be independent, uh, the advantage is you can do whatever you want. You can make your own rules, all that kind of thing. But the cost is you've got to build your own platform. And I think some of the conflict between older and younger, and I've, I've been guilty here, I'm mayor culprit, I'm a sinner, is that we want to work on platforms without really being prepared to or um, understand the costs involved. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I've got 12 minutes. I'm going to keep pushing. Okay. Now, also, the younger are called on to be submissive to their leaders. Well, everyone is, but you need to say that to younger. So Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. If you're going to work for someone in ministry or have someone as your pastor, you've got to be able to submit to them. Now, the church is not a democracy. Each church is not a democracy, but it is a volunteer society. And so if you can't be submissive to someone, uh, you, with your hand on your heart, you need to actually go somewhere else. Okay? Um, I think you can work that out. All right, now that's the role of the young. Now let me give you the role of the older. I think I've learned recently that the Bible talks about uh, the roles of the older. The Bible talks about elders, presbyteros, older man, for a reason. Right? It appoints people with experience and and wisdom. So if you look at um, 1 Peter 5, I'll put it on the screen again, all three, elder, pastor, and episcopos, or you know, um, overseer or bishop, all three of those are used effectively interchangeably here. He says, so I exhort elders, older men among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, do what? Shepherd, it's a verb there, but be a shepherd, um, or, or pastor, could be translated, be a shepherd, um, the flock of God that is under you, exercising oversight, episcopo, um, be a bishop, an overseer, not, a, not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you. There's a, slight, there's a textual variant. They're not exactly sure about the um, exercising oversight in there. It's probably there but they're not 100% sure. Uh, I think those three about elder, pastor, overseer are actually used interchangeably in the way that, the, the, you know, if you think about church government. Titus 1.5, uh, elder, sorry, Titus 1.5 to 7, elder or uh, an episcopos um, appear to be interchangeable. Paul tells uh, Titus to appoint elders in each town. Now, there's got to be, there were obviously, older men in every town and every church, so you'd be an older man, but some of those are appointed to the role of elder. Okay. And what older men are to do what? And, sorry, and women are to do what? Set an example. 
that's one of the most important things. So I'll just pick the older women one. Titus 2.3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behaviour, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Right? Set an example. Train, teach. Now here's what I want to show you that I think is really important, where the Bible is different to, those, to other cultures and so on. It is the role of the older to lift up the younger. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Now, Philip Jensen showed me this, and I've looked about it, and I think he's right. 1 Timothy 5, look at what it says. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. You see what he says? Treat older men as fathers. What do you do? You lift up an older man and honour him like your father lift him up in how you treat him okay and then he says treat younger men as sons right it's not what he says is it treat younger men as what brothers right as brothers now i know and greg just very well a minute ago um talked about paul talking about timothy as his son and i've checked paul calls timothy his son titus his son and onesimus his son in philemon but as he talks to others he doesn't call them sons, he calls them brothers. So Paul's got a special kindred kind of relationship with Timothy, but for everyone else, he doesn't call them sons, he calls them brothers. Now, what, what do I mean by this? I mean the way the Bible thinks we're not to be concerned about our own honour. What we're to do is to lift others up. So each generation, what do you do? Those who are older, you lift them up and you honour them as fathers, like fathers, yeah? But the younger... You don't, you don't necessarily treat them like sons. What do I do? I lift them up and treat him as a brother. I treat younger men as peers in the way that I treat them. I treat older as fathers. Do, do you see? So you're not concerned about your own honour. Now, how does that critique? Well, Australian culture is obviously critiqued for lack of respect for age. But in Asian culture, I think, I'll tread gently here, all right? Um, in Asian culture, it's different. We're not to be concerned for our own honour. Now, I tried to do this when I was on holidays. One holiday illustration. Uh, no, sorry, two in a talk. Is that all right? Anyway, I'm going to do it. Um, we, we pull up, we're cycling through the back, the back roads of Vietnam. There's kind of water buffaloes and mountains and rice paddies and all that cool stuff. And we pull up in a little kind of someone's front porch, really, and they're selling coffee and tea. And you get a cup of coffee and then this beautiful Vietnamese coffee, and then they bring out tea afterwards. Very... Um, structured in terms of age. So the whole thing is who's the oldest and they get called different words and so on. We've got a 24-year-old guide and a 40-year-old guide and I'm obviously older than both. So we're sitting there, the 24-year-old goes and sits quietly on his own on the other side of the room and the woman brings me the tea because I'm the oldest. And their English isn't good enough for me to get gospel conversations going with them. I can't quite work. I think let me just do something that will get put an edge. So as I poured the tea, I stood up, walked over, and handed the tea to the 24-year-old. Now, that got their attention. They went, well, okay. And I tried to explain to him. and said, no, no, it's not just about my honour. In the Bible, the Bible is honour the older and lift up the younger. And he went, oh, what? So it didn't work at all, okay? <laughs> oh, what? Crazy foreigners. All they, what they do is, when, we, when we're not, we don't know what's going on, they just laugh about our big noses. But that's all right. That's fine. Um, and baldy heads, I'm sure. But it's the, do you see how it's different, though? It's not just, I'm not to be concerned for my honour. It's how do I lift up the younger? 
Now, what does that look like? Relationships are not reciprocal. Okay, you, you lift up the younger and you treat them as a brother or a sister, a father or a mother. Okay, and and um, greatness is found in service. So the Lord Jesus says to um, uh, John and um, James uh, in Mark 10 about uh, if you want to be great, be a servant. Now you notice how Paul, the whole thing in the pastorals, and as Paul writes about Timothy, what does he do? He lifts him up. So as he writes um, in the, to the Thessalonians and to the Philippians, what does he do? He says how great Timothy is. Welcome him, love him. I have no one else like him. He's, he's lifting him up. To Timothy is all about him saying, mate, step up. You can do it. Right? So it's, it's lifting them up and reminding him about his gifts and remember this and godliness and discipline. But here's the thing. Because he loves him or because we're to love the younger, we're not to lift them up into ministry or ministry positions too early. It's not loving to send someone or give someone too much too early. Uh, so um, 1 Timothy 3.6, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall under the, into the condemnation of the devil. Or 1 Timothy 5.22, um, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Don't appoint someone to something too early. All right? um, the older is to set an example, but interestingly also, um, he tells the younger to set an example. So um, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you if you're a youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. Okay. And so the role of the older is to give the younger the opportunity to serve, I think, in leadership and to lift them up, um, to stand close with them. Uh, I think in some ways you need to give the younger permission to fail, permission to try things. And if it doesn't work, that's all right. You're there with them. You've got an arm around them and so on. So I'd say, what does it mean? Well, um, to the younger... Uh, lift the older up, treat them with respect and so on, be teachable, be humble. But it's relative in a way in the context. No matter how old you are, no matter what stage you're at, we should actually be looking to find the younger, the younger men, the younger women, to lift them up. In terms of honour, in terms of how we treat them, we do that. In terms of ministry opportunities, in terms of opening uh, the door for them, um, the door for them to ministry and so on. Now, you can call it discipling, you can call it training, um, and so on. We need to have personally be doing that, and we need a culture in our churches that does that as well, lifts people up. There's one thing I wanted to show you, and I've left the book open. Uh, it's an old book. I think it's out of print now, but it's a cracker. On, on leadership, Who's Holding the Umbrella by uh, William Yeager. Bill Yeager was an ex-Marine and uh, preached like it. It was just great. Uh, built a, God used him to build a big church, Uh, east of San Francisco at Modesto and this is really about who's holding the umbrella the idea is it's the job of the of the leader the older to actually put up an umbrella under which other people can minister and depending on how God's gifted us and given us opportunities we're able to put up bigger umbrellas but the idea is that you put up the umbrella and keep the rain and lightning and the the problems off the younger so that they can get on with it it's, uh, it's a good book. Who's holding the umbrella? You might get it on, um, on Amazon. Or I think I have permission to photocopy it as well if you wanted it.